Good morning, Redeemer. Good morning, Redeemer. Love it. Just like the crazy chaos of Pentecost there. Everybody speaking their own conversation. It's wonderful. I talked to my mom on the phone yesterday. I try to call her every couple of days. And uh, we were talking and she goes, oh, Paul, what are you preaching on? Tomorrow I said, well, mom, it's the next text after the Pentecost event. Is Peter preaching on Pentecost there in Acts 2? She said, oh, I love that sermon. You should just read it and not say anything else. <laughs> so uh, thank you, mom. I think she might be listening in. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to do just a little bit of trying to unpack what Peter has to say here. It is wonderful. It is good news for us. Here is the gospel breaking out, not just on the day of Pentecost, but still now in our lives, in our world. Acts chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 12. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I shall show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You've made known to me the paths of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this 
that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. O oh Lord Christ, as it happened on the day of Pentecost, so may it be so now. May your gospel run and be glorified down deep in our lives, out wide in this community, out wide in this world, that the church may be on the move. Come, Holy Spirit, Spirit of the living God, and press the gospel into our lives. Father, by the Spirit, give us faith in your Son, faith to believe his gospel and find life in it, grace to shape our lives by it. Love, Father, love like yours between the Son and the Spirit that urges us to share this good news. Hope that endures to the end from this good news. Lord Christ, please grant this. We pray it all in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Acts, as we're discovering, is the story of the church. It's the story of what Jesus continues to do after he's taken up into the heavens to build his church. It's the story of how Jesus keeps working by his spirit through the lives of his followers, through people like us still today. And Jesus, while he was still on earth, right, was always really about one main thing, the gospel. He begins his ministry saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe this good news. He stands up, Luke tells us in his first volume, the gospel of Luke, right, and preaches in Nazareth, his hometown, takes the Isaiah scroll and says, these things that I'm reading about, about prisoners being set free, about the lame walking, about the blind seeing, about freedom coming to captives. This is declared and begun to be realized in your presence. Repent and believe this gospel. Jesus, while he was here, was all about the gospel, preaching it and making it be realized by his life, by his death, by his resurrection, by his ascending on high, by his pouring out his spirit. And so now he continues to be all about the gospel. 
It's interesting in the book of Acts, right? We just finished this miracle of Pentecost. Flaming tongues of fire, winds from heaven blowing, people all being able to hear a message in their own languages amazingly from across the whole Mediterranean world. The miracle got 13 verses. 28 verses are given over to the preaching of the gospel. The message of the gospel is always bigger even than the miracles. The miracles are there to affirm the gospel's reality in power in our lives. 30%, almost a third of the whole book of Acts are recounts of the gospel being preached by the apostles. The gospel is wonderful. It's everything, as Paul told the Romans. It's the very power of God unto salvation. But what is it? Right? What is it really? How does it begin to break out? What happens when the gospel is breaking out? I want to offer you a very simple definition. It's right there in your bulletin if you want to look of what the gospel is. That the gospel is good news from God about Jesus that is for everyone and which changes everything. The gospel is good news from God about Jesus that's for everyone and changes everything. Let's kind of process this sermon and see how the gospel breaks out and work out this definition together. First, consider that the gospel is truly good news. Peter does not preach here, right? about the political problems in the Roman Empire. He does not preach here about social evils in Jerusalem. He does not preach here about good advice or counsel about your marriage or about how to actualize your work life or how to sort of deal with, you know, your inner self and become a more whole person. What he preaches about is Jesus, about Good news of God's victory in Jesus. We're to think of Peter's preaching as like an ancient sort of runner coming from a battle site back to a city to tell of good news of a victory. That's often how the word was used in Roman culture. If you're all these people that come from all kinds of backgrounds, they're either born Jews or they've come into Judaism uh, they're gathered here around this Pentecost moment, right? But they're from all over the Mediterranean world. And one thing they would have heard and had in common was this idea of gospel. That when the Roman armies had won a victory, someone would come to their town and declare that victory had been won by Caesar. Hail Caesar, a wonderful victory is accomplished. The only problem for you, right? If you were a Roman person... It just meant Caesar was oppressing you and others further. Unless you were Roman elite of the elite, this just meant that the oppression that was on you of living under Caesar's thumb was now being pressed out onto other people. It wasn't good news at all. But here was good news of a promised king, one who David prophesied about, who is Israel's true king, the world's true king, who is also actually not just Christ, but Lord, God, come. And he has won a victory that means great good news. By his death, he conquers death and he brings freedom 
to all peoples. You can turn away from all other kinds of hopes and powers and dreams and, and forces that dominate your life and turn to Him and find forgiveness and welcome and life. This is the utter good news. We will seek, as they did in the days of Acts, as this church has done beautifully across its first 20 years of history, to make the gospel always our main thing. As Jesus did, as the apostles did, our prime value is the gospel itself. You know, I've told this story before, but it, I just can't help repeating it here. You know, of coming down from Austin when I lived in Texas the first time in the 90s and early 2000s. And one of my last trips down, I came to a meeting in San Antonio, drove around the outer loop and saw these signs for the first time. Hill and Dale's trading post, seven miles, the center of the universe. Wow, that's awesome, right? Giant billboards, white billboards, black billboards, background, white lettering. Hill and Dale's trading post, the center of the universe, five miles, then three miles, then one mile. Then you get there and the sign says, Hill and Dale's trading post, the center of the universe with arrows down below. And it's this shack selling Alamo trinkets, right? And I'm going, if that's the center of the universe, I don't want to live in that universe. Anything else that we center on in the life of the church but the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified and risen makes a bad center. It's just a shack. It's really nothing. So it's not about here our style of worship or the way we talk about discipleship or Christian education or, or how we do men's or women's ministry or whether we do talk about this or that social evil or what our political stand as individuals are on this or that or the other. It is about Christ, the King, come to earth who is actually God in the flesh, crucified and risen for the forgiveness of sins, welcome into the life of the very Trinity itself, and freedom and joy. We live by this. Tim Keller has just passed on into glory. He famously said, the gospel is not the ABCs of your Christian life. And then you move on to other things. The gospel is the A to Z of the Christian life. It is everything. It is the center. We live by it. There is in Norse legend, right, the idea of a world tree, Yggdrasil is the name. And the three fates would tend this tree. It's funny, one of the Younger, our, our, our elementary students came up to me after the first service and said, Pastor Han, we, we studied about this in school and showed me her picture she drew of the world tree. I, I may have gotten her off track there a little bit, but I digress again, right? Okay, so it's just world tree in Norse legend. That's just a knockoff. That is an absolute knockoff. The tree of the world is the cross of Jesus Christ, tended by the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit to give life to the world. It is good news. Revel in the good news. Wherever you are today, just celebrate this good news. In a few minutes, Matt's going to lead us in eating and drinking it together even. Revel in that good news. It is victory in Christ. Good news. Secondly, from God and about Jesus, right? Notice as Peter preaches, he's saying, right, you did this. You either were here 50 days ago 
around Passover when Christ was crucified and you were part of the crowds or indirectly you were here because your sins put the very Son of God to death. You are directly or indirectly responsible for this. But note that this happens by the will and the knowledge and the plan of God. All of this David prophesies about long ago about a greater king coming than he, one who would actually be David's Lord because he was Lord together with God. Joel prophesied about a day coming when the Spirit would be poured out, when everyone would prophesy. All peoples would have the Spirit on them. And this is just the plan of God being fulfilled as this is happening. This is from God. It is His plan. It is part of the mysterious, beautiful love of the Trinity. And so what, what, what does this mean for us? It means for us that wherever you are, whatever kind of space you're in, that mysterious plan of God is there with you to apply this gospel to your life. I, I talked with a friend just this week. We were, he has been through some tragic things this last year. We, we talked and even kind of wept together and cried some together this week. And he said, well, what are you preaching on Sunday? I said, well, I'm doing this next section of Acts. We're doing the Peter's message. And I said, you know, I've just been so moved studying this week about this wonder that this was God's plan. This was always God's plan. He was going to take his Christ into this tragic, horrible space to bring salvation to the world. And, and I just gently said, does, does it give you any hope in this awful space you've sort of been in? That Jesus' life and death and resurrection can apply there to you? That God in wisdom can meet you there and even bless you there? And, and he cried and said, yes. Yes, it does. So wherever you are, some of you, your stories I'm getting to know. Others of you, I, I so want to get to know. If it's a broken family, a hurting marriage, difficulty in the workplace, a sense of being alone and abandoned, being friendless, being adrift, having kind of just sins in your life that you can't even talk about, they feel so dark and controlling, wherever that is, the mysterious love of the Trinity, the plan of God can bring the gospel to you right there. In fact, God has drawn you here today for that very purpose. To bring the weak preaching here of this, this old man, which is the very power of God unto salvation to you in that space. It's always about Jesus. It's never about how far we've progressed. It's, it's never about how well we're believing. It's, it's never about how it's the record now, what, what percentage are we on our way to full sanctification? It's never about that. It's about victory in Jesus, God's victory won in Jesus. It's Him. We revel in Him. Let's encourage one another to delight in Him. The early Christians, the early teachers, the fathers of the church, just a century or two after the apostles, they love to talk about the Trinity, and they, they love this idea of having a day set aside to worship uniquely God as Trinity and remember that. We do it every day. We do it every Sunday, but an emphasis day. 
Because they said the gospel brings us in to the very dance of God. What Matt so beautifully talked about and prayed about, a father, what Victor prayed about, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, their eternal love for each other. The gospel in Jesus brings us into that. C.S. Lewis in his second of his space trilogy works, I, I love it, it's my favorite book of all of his. It's called Paralandra. It's about what about God? What would he do on Venus? And at the end of the book, I'm not spoiling it, you should read this one, okay? Okay, and the, the end of the book has this dance of all the creatures and angelic beings and God himself joining in onto Venus. And, and the main character, the narrator, Ransom, says, and we danced and we danced and we rejoiced, and I didn't know if it lasted an hour or a year. Well, it's going to last for eternity. And you are brought even now into this love of God through the gospel. It's from God and about Jesus, this good news. Good news from God about Jesus. Thirdly, for everyone. For everyone. There are people here, we read about this last week, right? From all over the Mediterranean world. Every space imaginable across that bowl, they're mentioned there. Because Luke is trying to say to you, do you understand? This gospel is for you. And, and just like on Pentecost, it's going to come to you in your own space and where you are in your own sort of language that you need it to come to you. But then as Peter begins to preach, right? All those had spoken in these multitude of tongues, gifted by the Spirit in these known languages. But then Peter begins to preach with one voice. Maybe it's in Greek. Maybe it's in Latin. We don't know, right? But he begins preaching in one voice that everybody can understand. And it's this picture that this message of good news of the victory of God in Jesus that forgives your sins and gives you life is for everybody. God is going to bring it to you, every single one of you. And God wants to use you to bring it to all kinds of people in your world. I learned a lesson, you know, the, the Oliveruses are here. They're going to be outside afterwards. They've got a nice table set out there to hear about. They're being called to Japan to permanently go there to serve the Lord. Consider how you can pray for them. You can give to their work. We hope to have them back here again and learn more about what they're doing. But, you know, I went on a short-term mission trip when I was in college. I went on with Athletes in Action, a baseball trip across the South Pacific. And I came back and I played on my summer league team that summer, my college league team in Central Florida. And I was going to have a big Sunday night where I was going to be the missionary into, we'd set up this communal event and I had my slides. This is 1983, you know, you had your, your slides, your, your little circular projector. And, and I was going to do my missionary report and I was going to, best I could as a junior in college, share about Jesus. And like 150 kids came to this. It was really just a joy. But on that, I played a game that afternoon with my baseball team, and I invited everybody on the bench to come to that event that night except for John, our catcher, because I hated John. <laughs> <laughs> and John was a better player than me, and I didn't like that. And I invited every single person. So about the sixth inning, John's down there. He's putting it. We're, we're batting, and he's trying to strap on his shin guard back on to get ready. And he goes, hey, Paul, are you going to invite me to this? And uh, I said, 
hey, yeah, John, do you want to come? He goes, yeah, I want to come. I said, do you need a ride? He goes, yeah. So I said, okay, I'll come pick you up. So I went and picked up John. We went to this event. There were 100, 150 kids there. And I showed my slides. And I did my little presentation on the good news of Jesus. And I said, anybody who wants to talk about Jesus afterward, I would love to talk with you. One person came up afterward. It was John. And we were in the back room of this little space for an hour together. And John got down on his knees and asked Jesus to be his Lord and his Savior. And John is the most beautiful Christian. John, if you ever get this, I love you. You are awesome. Um, and he is. Um, but you know, God, who are those Johns in your life that you just want to write out of the story you don't have room for? I just ask you to pray about that. Who are those Johns? Who, God, who are the everybodies you want me to take this to? And then just note again, we talked about this a bit earlier, but when Peter's preaching, he says, you know, it was God's plan, but you did this. You put the Son of God to death. Either directly because you were in the crowd shouting crucify, or indirectly because it created the need. Your sins, your brokennesses, your rebellion created the need for the Son of God to come and die in your place. You did this. And so I think the reason why that's there and the reason why Luke emphasizes that and sort of finishes with that, right, is to say to us, at your worst spots, this is still for you. At the spots where you are most aware personally that you are responsible for the Son of God being put to death, this is for you. This is good news for you. Right here today, whether you've been in the church your whole life, and you need it afresh because we all need it afresh every day, or whether you're newly just exploring this. And if you are, we are so glad that you're here. This is for you. It's for everybody. And lastly, it's good news from God about Jesus for everyone that changes everything. What are we going to see in Acts that literally this news begins to take over the whole world? Just topples kings in their pride. It, it raises up people who've been left behind completely physically or emotionally or spiritually. It, it is for the outsiders. It's for the insiders. It's for people in power. It's for people who have been utterly neglected and abused. It's for everybody. And it changes everything. It gives you hope. It gives you purpose. It gives you joy. It gives you a place to just lay your shame down and receive the welcome and the love of the Father through the Son by the Spirit. It brings you into the dance of God and everything changes. Everything. My prayer, well, only let me share one thing and we'll close. Um, we had a great staff retreat a couple of weeks ago. And um, one of our staff people, we asked the question, what do you hope and pray for in the season ahead, this new era of Redeemer with Paul and Matt sharing new leadership and 
us going forward in a new way. And, and I love the responses. My favorite one, though, was this. A staff person said, I want to pray that God would give us 50 people in this next season ahead newly finding faith and freedom in life in the good news of Jesus. And uh, we saw an expression of one person newly, Greg, expressing his faith today and being baptized into that. Would you join us and pray for that? May the Lord do that among us and, and may, may, our, may we be just filled with wonder and awe that He has done this. But let's add another prayer to it that for all of us, the 500 others of us plus, that, that we would be seeing that gospel going down deeper and fuller and richer into our lives right here and right now, changing everything about us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. God the Son, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Great God, great three in one. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for the good news about Jesus from you, O oh God, that's for every one of us that changes everything. Please move and work by your gospel today. Even as we come to feast on your gospel, come and meet us, Lord. We pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen.